0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to The Kim Barrett Show. I am your host, Kim Barrett, and on today's episode, we have the amazing Mr. Daniel Priestley, from Dent Global. So Daniel is someone whose books are tremendous, I've read every single one, and he really talks about how can you reinvent yourself in times of crises, in times of change. And look, this is one of those, if you've dealt with some changes in the past, if you've dealt with a few issues over the last few months, few years, I highly recommend that you check this episode out. If you wanna know how to navigate change, this is the episode for you. So, before we go too deep into it, I wanna jump on across, and of course, if we can ever help you out, head over to mogulcall.com if you ever need help with your marketing to manage through these crazy times too. But until then, let's jump into the show. Mr. Daniel Priestley, sir, thank you so much for making the time to join us today. I really appreciate it.
1: Oh, I appreciate being on your podcast.
0: It's great to have you, uh, especially in these uh, crazy times. I feel like I've done more podcasts now than I have in like, the uh, the last four years. So it's been fun th- fun stuff. So I want to quick uh, kick us off right. I always like to ask the same question at the start of uh, every podcast, which is if you and I were at a party and we met each other and we we're having a few drinks and chatting away and I said, Daniel, What is it that you actually do? What is your go-to answer?
1: (laughs) Well, if we're at a party, I'd probably say something stupid. Like, you know, I work with penguins that have fallen over and need to get back on their feet. I don't know. I'd come up with something ridiculous. Normally, when I tell people what I actually do, it sparks a decent conversation. And uh, sometimes I've had a big day and I don't want to talk about it. So uh, I feel but, that. but what, I I, what I do is I run a business accelerator so my background is as an entrepreneur and uh, in 2010 I started something called the key person of influence accelerator which morphed into a company called Dent and Dent operates in uh, with offices in London in Sydney and in Toronto covering the three major time zones we work with entrepreneurs all over the world we've got 3000 clients Some of the world's most celebrated entrepreneurs have been and are our mentoring team. And what we do is we develop entrepreneurs to stand out, scale up and make a positive impact in the world. So uh, it's it's a pretty incredible day job. I'm always up to my elbows in fast growth, interesting entrepreneurs and people changing the world and people growing and scaling and raising funding and all of those sorts of things. Yeah. So that's what I
0: do. I love it. So... How have you found then, obviously, that we're recording this probably on, I don't want to say maybe the tail end of COVID, but really like the, a lot of the, the hype, especially in Australia at the moment, has gone away from that. I don't know what it's like over in, over in the UK for you guys, but we're, we're kind of seeing almost back to normal over here. How have you found these last couple of months, being that that's the type of people that you deal with, how, what's the, what sort of effect have you seen it having on people?
1: It's, it's having a pretty profound effect on people. If you're talking about the wider market, a lot of people are feeling massively disrupted. And, you know, our school system and, and typical life doesn't prepare us for being disrupted, even though, the, even though statistically you're probably going to get majorly disrupted twice in the decade, every decade of your life, whether it be personally, professionally or a global issue. So, you know, people are very disrupted. I'm seeing a lot of people very fearful, very angry, confused, disappointed, sad. Some people are excited, elated, transformed. So you're getting the full spectrum of of human emotion is what I'm seeing. What are you seeing?
0: yeah i'd have to say it's the same it's like there's as you say some some people it's the worst time of their of their lives right now um and then other people it's you know i've seen people having an exponential growth and it's some of the best times for them so it really is weird i can only describe it as feeling what it would feel like if i'm in a movie where you're like is is all this stuff actually real that's going on and I'm, i think it's probably sure
1: anyone i'm not sure anyone would believe a movie called 2020 because there's just too much <laughs> craziness you know it's it's Terminator Two combined with you know judge uh, combined with every every damn Hollywood blockbuster packed into each month.
0: Oh, it's it's crazy, and I think the the only thing that I've seen firsthand that I've probably experienced more would be the flyers that Australia had at the start of the year, because um, I was travelling around and we kind of had mm. to go. F- not go through them, but we were like flying in and we could see half of, you know, the East coast of Australia kind of burning as we were flying into Sydney over Christmas time and whatnot, which was crazy. But everything else has been, we've been a little bit removed from, especially I'm in Perth. So it's, we're really isolated and compared to everywhere else. So it's only what you can kind of see on on social media and experience. And I mean, we're lucky that we're a digital company and we always have been as a byproduct of what we do with online marketing. But, you know, for, for a bunch of our clients, which are in the spaces of gyms, health, beauty, yeah, it's, for them, I just like, oh, I feel so bad. And it's like, I've, I tried to, you know, boost them up and encourage them in all the times. So I'm like, we'll get through it. We'll um, help you guys, you know, twist and uh, reinvent yourselves and, and do different things. But I mean, sometimes some of them are just like, you know what? I'm done and I mean look I'm not going to say that's right or wrong it's just what's right for them at the time so it's tough but I think it's very interesting to to see especially as you know we're only five years old as a company so we're still quite young and to see these sort of events pop up has been pretty interesting for us
1: yeah so with a lot of my clients in the entrepreneur space we focus them on going through an actual process of reset reinvent where we Mm. we essentially say to them that you're going to go through two phases phase one is resetting and resetting is understanding what this means for your business, understanding what the new or coming up with a new vision for for the future, adjusting the business, adjusting the costs of the business, testing to see whether you can still make sales, talking to your customers, surveying people, finding out, you know, gathering data, finding out how you could respond. So all of that's in that resetting phase. And then the reinvention phase is having clarity around the vision of where you want the business to go to three or four years from now and beginning the process of reverse engineering that future. And, you know, the, it, it's pretty empowering when you see people go through that and and do it well. The beauty of being an entrepreneur, uh, look, let me just talk from a position of being an entrepreneur, not so much the broader society or community or economy. From the position of being an entrepreneur, disruption is a really good thing. So disruption, disruption creates huge opportunities for entrepreneurs. Some of the world's best companies were started in recessions. Disruption creates gaps in the marketplace that your business can can go in and fill. Uh, Disruption often means that big companies jettison some of the very exciting business opportunities. Kodak jettisoned digital cameras and Blockbuster Video jettisoned mail order subscription DVDs. And, you know, Facebook was really slow to create a mobile-first version of Facebook and it created the space for Instagram. So there are incredible opportunities, big and small, that happen around the time of disruption. And if you have a, an entrepreneurial mindset, you actually realize that great fortunes and great transformations happen around these times. And it's a time where you can attract talent that would otherwise have a stable job. Uh, it's a time where you can attract money that would otherwise be just put into the stock market. And all of these great things happen around the entrepreneurial community for people who do maintain their entrepreneur mindset, as opposed to getting overly defeated or deflated. I would say to anyone in Australia, you know, Australia's had a 29-year run. So, you know, you've had two months of disruption and you need to have a little teaspoon of cement, harden up a little bit and just recognize, you know, the rest of the world goes through this stuff all the time. And, you know, if you were born in another country, if you were born in Indonesia or India or Africa, you know, or, or even certain parts of the UK, Europe and uh, USA, you would have a very different experience of the last 10 years. So, you know, Australians, Australians are incredibly fortunate, you know, just, just to have the Australian economy for so long. And, you know, don't be afraid of disruption. Disruption creates great opportunities as well.
0: What are some of the opportunities that you've seen come out of this for for you? Because obviously for your business being in the education space and the you know the coaching and mentoring to some degree space as well through the accelerators that you run. What are some of, because a lot of the people that listen to us do also do some education-based stuff. There's uh, coaches, small business coaches, all that sort of stuff that like to tune in also. I um, mean, even just selfishly for myself too, being that we do similar. What are some of the, disruptions what are some of the new opportunities that you're seeing pop up at the moment that you guys are trying to take advantage of
1: i'll talk philosophically then i'll talk practically so philosophically it's always an opportunity to reinvent the vision mission and values based on the technologies and the trends of today so Mm. my business my my accelerator business is 10 years old before that i had uh, 10 years building another company which which was a fast growth great company and it was disrupted in the global financial crisis and actually what we morphed into is a better expression of my true intent, my, my vision, mission and values got better expressed in the 2010s than in the 20s or in the, in the 2000s. So the philosophical answer is that you're always looking for a better expression of your intention, your vision, mission and values, and you're going to leverage the, ten, the trends and the technologies of the day. Uh, Rather than trying to forward engineer the past, it's an opportunity to reverse engineer a more inspiring future. So that's the philosophical answer. The very practical answer, if I zoom right down to the practical detail, here's what's happened to my business. We used to, one of our main strategies for finding clients and, and finding the right clients is we used to run a weekly boardroom. And we'd have 8 to 10 people around the boardroom table. We'd present information about our company and our strategy and what we like to work on with companies. We'd get companies to present themselves. We'd we'd go around and do a a two-hour boardroom session. And every single week, we had 8 to 10 people booked in and attending that in in London. And it would cost about £350, 700 Aussie dollars every single week uh, for teas, coffees and boardroom hire. Uh, to put that on and it was a, look it was a great strategy and it's actually one of the ways that we built such a, an excellent client base but since uh, covid-19 hit we now have a weekly zoom call because of the nature of zoom and the speed at which people can update digitally you know that we get people to fill in spreadsheets as we go and we get people to use the chat box we now comfortably can have 30 to 40 people on that call so mm. every single week we've gone from seeing 8 to 10 people to 30 to 40 people We've gone from my business model 10 years ago was uh, what we basically designed around the 20 city business model. So we were opening up 20 cities through the 2010s. We opened up in Singapore, Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, Tampa, Florida, Toronto, Birmingham, London. You know, we, we were opening up cities, Bristol, and we were basically working towards a 20 city model when we finished the 2010s we were looking at how do we how do we get ourselves with a base in 20 cities and we're looking at like piggybacking on we work and essentially employing five to ten people in each city you know based around a, a predictable repeatable model and as soon as COVID 19 hit we went wow actually we don't need to be in 20 cities we need to be on three time zones and we we essentially can can deliver our programs time zone uh wise so being in 20 cities is now effortless compared to what we had planned. It's very easy for us to be in just three time zones. We need to have one hell of an excellent team on each time zone that can do remarkable work with anyone on that time zone. And within two months, we have switched across to the time zone model from the city model, and we're just seeing like unbelievable growth. We're, we're up more than 20% on where we thought we'd be for the month pre-COVID, And our costs are down by more than 20% as to where we thought they'd be. So our margins have gone through the roof. We're reinvesting into digital. We're reinvesting into being able to deliver an excellent experience anywhere in the world. And it's been probably one of the things that has stripped the complexity out of delivering the value that we offer and has given us huge capability.
0: Does that mean that when things go back to whatever normal looks like, that's what you guys are sticking with then from now, do you feel like obviously having the live event model where, you know, some people kind of get addicted to going and seeing people in, in person and they really enjoy that. Are you going to stick to just the, the digital model? Are you going to go, I go to a hybrid when things return to normal or what's, what's the, the longer term plan for that? So I'm always
1: reluctant to use the term go back because there is no reverse gear on time. You never, ever go back. You can't go yeah. back to your 20s or go back to your teens or, you know, you can't go back the way things were. Something as significant as COVID will will be a, a moment of change that doesn't allow you to just simply resettle back onto the same tracks. So it's always looking at what is the best expression, what's the best way to serve based on the, t- the technology and the trends of, of the day. Imagine for a moment that the government put down a law that said every single person has to wear roller skates for the next two months. And at the beginning of those two months, people say, well, I don't like roller skates, I'm not comfortable in roller skates, I've never really roller skated much in my life. At the end of two months, everyone says, oh, actually, roller skates are really easy, I've been wearing them for the last two months and they're kind of used to it now. I do believe that what has happened with COVID is that we've actually educated hundreds of millions of people on just how much value can be transferred without leaving the front door. And I believe that we will get people in the same room together when the time's right. It'll be special events that we do that. It'll have a very different focus. It won't be one person up the front talking to people because that happens better online and it will be getting people together so they can just connect and hang out and and spend time together and we might even have no speakers we might just pick a really nice idyllic location and let people have pop-up little groups and talks and circles and you know have a way of connecting and saying well who you know this person's now talking about this thing or here's a here's a conversation that's happening over here and you know, just getting just facilitation. So there'll be a new purpose between as to why people want to get together. And I think it'll be more more to do with enjoying the social aspect and meeting the people that they've been connecting with online uh, in the real world. But ultimately, I don't think we're going back the way things were. And our business has become so much more value-based as a, like our costs, about twenty to thirty percent of our costs that we were spending per month do not really go into adding value to our customer. They go into things like venues and transportation and printing and stuff that's not actually hardwired into the value creation process. It's just sort of sitting around the value. So what this has done is allowed us to to focus much more on the value of what we deliver.
0: We found very similar. We've, we just recently ran a, we have a, a mastermind group that we run as well. And we were able to get, you know, previously doing one a quarter where we would have people come in, they would connect, we would have speakers and we were able to get really some of the best people in the world in the, in their industry. We had Bond Halbert, a copywriter come in and, and share, which, you know, would be almost impossible to try and get him to fly out to Australia and come and speak at a, an event for, for 20 business owners. We were able to get him to come in. Everyone was able to relax and enjoy. And a lot of people that were, had future commitments coming up, like where they've, they're having babies and whatnot. They're like, oh, we can't come to the next events. Whereas now they're like, well, if you're going to have the digital aspect again, we'd love that. We love, personally as you mentioned catching up with people so again we ran hours where we normally have a reasonable budget for ourselves to get to the event the venue the printing all those things and we really stripped that back and we had just a much lower overhead cost and now we're just doing a, a drinks and dinner catch up for all of our mastermind members rather than th- because they've got the the content and information already so they're like well yeah now let's just catch up with everyone and and socialize so it's going to be very interesting we're doing the same way we're trying to f- figure out then well whilst we've sold our mastermind on the premise of four physical catch-ups per year, which we'll, we'll still honor for everyone. The delivery of the content, as you mentioned, is, is completely different because it's, it's much easier when everyone's relaxed at home. We found that we had a, a much higher, I would say engagement rate and implementation rate of what we did because everyone was relaxed. They, they absorbed it, they implemented, it, and we, we pivoted and changed from having full days of content to two half days and then a full implementation day and everyone just was much less drained at the end of it after uh, not having sitting there listening to people for a couple of days at a time. So yes, yeah, it's, it's going to be very interesting times. I really, I really like that. Um, well, as you mentioned that boardroom process and then having those time zones set up, because as you say, if you're someone who runs physical events, obviously the the scaling process is more locations and more and more areas versus now it's, uh, that's uh, that's very interesting. I like that. What, what's um, what about for bricks and mortar businesses? Obviously, ver- that are that are now adapting to online. Has there been anything where you've seen them, you know, them reset and reinvent and gone? That's a very good use. And there's anything where you go, they've missed the mark any, anywhere there because there's there's so much change that's been happening.
1: Yeah, the miss the mark thing pops to mind first. I'm seeing a lot of people throwing content online and throwing e courses and e learning programs online. And the other mistake I see is people dropping their prices dramatically. When you mathematically have a look at, at what the impact of dropping your prices are, if the market drops away and you drop your prices, you lose something like 50% of your revenue. If the market drops away but you hold your prices, you normally will only lose 25 30% of your revenue so and then once you've dropped your prices it's very hard to bring them back so i see a lot of people kind of knee jerk reaction drop the prices you know and and essentially they shoot themselves in the foot twice because the market has dropped and they're dropping prices uh, so that's been a big one and i kind of did a I did a thing with our clients where we kind of mathematically explored it and modeled and modeled it the impact of dropping prices and how much the market would have to drop in order to you for you to be better off with lower prices. And it's almost hard to find a scenario where you're better off lowering your prices. And so that's been one. And then the other one is just throwing content online and creating courses. And one of the things that businesses aren't acknowledging is that there's tends to be three ways to achieve an outcome that the marketplace is interested in. There's I'll do it myself. So DIY, you do it for me down the other end and let's do this together done with you. So do it yourself done with you and done for you. And these are the three kind of main ways that solutions are delivered. So, you know, for example, a gym or fitness equipment is a DIY solution. A personal trainer, fitness trainer is, you know, a uh, done with you solution and a full on body transformation, you know, food, you know, intensive training, like get turning up at the house, waking you up, taking you out, doing all that sort of stuff is a more done, like right there, done for almost done for you, as much as it can be done for you. So one of the things that I'm seeing is a lot of people who have made their money and who've built their brand with a done with you solution and now putting do-it-yourself programs together that people that they're throwing online, the truth is that they were never in competition with the world's best learning development programs up until that point and now they've gone and thrown themselves in competition with some of the world's best online programs. So like if you're if you're a guitar teacher and you've got all these clients that you you know you teach guitar to one to one or or in small groups that is a done with you solution that people are paying because they want it done with them and then you say oh I'm going to put all my guitar lessons online and immediately you're in competition with Fender Play. And Fender Play for 9 pounds a month or, or you know tw- a month is one hell of a system that you you're not going to beat you're not going to suddenly create something better than what fender guitars can create so now you're in competition with a $15 a month subscription from one of the best guitar companies in the world and you're you've jumped tracks and you're far better off figuring out how you can maintain your clients and hold on to your clients with the done with you or the done for you in small businesses, all the money is done with you and done for you and almost never do it yourself.
0: Yeah, I, I saw so many, uh, especially when you look to talk about gyms and personal training issues, obviously taking things online and then you have someone like Chris Hemsworth with his center app that drops it and gives it for free for everyone. It's like, how can you compete with Thor? Like you can't really like, no, exactly. and, <laughs> You can't and, really do anything and- to do that.
1: And he's got the best chefs and he's got the best, you know, like he's, he's got high video production. He's got, yeah, you know, for Chris Hemsworth, it's easier to spend a quarter of a million pound creating an amazing app and then give it away for free, you know. And because of his reach, if people end up paying three pounds a month and he's got a million of them, he, you know, he's in a great position. Uh, and it's just like, this is what I mean. A personal trainer should not be in competition with, with that type of system. So if you just kind of simply try and throw together a course, you're going to be very, very disappointed.
0: And what's one of the the best adaptations? And obviously there's a few things there for people. And if you're still doing it, obviously kind of heed a bit heed a bit of the warning there. But what, what's something that you've you've seen someone adapt to and you've gone, that's that's really a good reinvention of what they're doing?
1: One of our clients is a Michelin-starred restaurant and hotel. And they pivoted very rapidly to Michelin star delivered meals, you know, beautifully delivered, you know, um, and also produce boxes where they essentially started putting together produce boxes. They, and they managed to source a number of great recipe books. And, and then they did these like online cooking classes where they actually had their chefs working with people and talking people through the ingredients and all this sort of stuff. They focus very much on community and being part of the experience with people and kind of going through this with them as opposed to just trying to sell stuff to them. Then the other thing that they did is they just started pre-selling the rest of the year and getting, getting people to have put down small commitments for coming to the restaurant when they're ready. So no date attached, no booking, like no actual booking number. It's like, we'll figure out when you're ready. We'll figure out when, you know, when's the right time to come, but let's, let's just get you to signal that you'd like to come to the restaurant. Um, Let's get you to signal that you'd like to stay in the hotel. So, you know, they've got something like four or 500,000 worth of bookings for the next year ahead without a time or a date, but people actually saying, yes, I do want to come and I do want to, come to the restaurant when the time is right and we'll, you know, we'll open up the bookings as soon as we can, but you'll have priority booking. So they're kind of just getting people to put down, you know, 20 pounds to get priority access to the, uh, to the first booking. And and they're going to, you know, have a number of special meals and all that sort of stuff. So they're putting a lot of thought into it. They're not cheapening their experience. They're not cheapening what they do. They're, you know, they're kind of, you know, that was, that was a good one that pops to mind because it's a particularly hard problem to solve.
0: That adaptation is amazing. There was, there was a, a group here in Perth called Cocktail Gastronomy is what they did. So they used to be a caterer for weddings and things like that. And they did amazing, uh, amazing meals. And they started packaging things up where it was themed for date night when you're in isolation. So it's like, well, we've got the French theme. They give you a little French mustache and a little beret. And it's like, you know, 70, 80 bucks a head, but you're taking photos of it. And it's just literally put your food in the oven. Pretty much everything's oven baked. Each course comes with its own little cocktail to go along with it with a little card telling you what it is. And it's just gone, and it's gone, gone bananas. And I was like, I hope that they don't remove that. I hope that that stays because to me, I was like, it, I'd it be could potentially once be a fortnight, even that'd better. be my thing.
1: Yeah, it could, be, it could be actually a better business than the one they had.
0: Yeah, it would be much less uh staffing because it's just the the cook rather than having everyone go out there and, or the chef, I should say, then everyone going out there and having to serve up at, at weddings. And it's just that small, small little adjustment to how they're delivering rather than going anything too crazy, which is good. And as you said, I think Going through it with people as well, I think, is obviously one of the most important things because everyone has the same impact. There's no one that was not or is not affected by what's going on. So having that ability to go through it, it's like we understand this is what's going on for
1: you. A lot of the customers of this particular place, they also appreciated that a restaurant needs support and they were actually happy to do a £20 reservation, I think, because they want that business to survive. They want that business to be there. They know that the business is in, you know, the fight of its life. And they're like, yeah, cool. If you're going to make it easy for us to rebook when the time's right and you're going to give us a good deal to do that, then we'll, we'll do the right thing by you and let you know that we're going to come. And it's kind of, they created that spirit of we're all in this together and we appreciate it and we'll look after you, you look after us and, and we'll get through it. And it was, you know, it's, it's that kind of mentality as opposed to let me find something different to sell you.
0: There's definitely been a lot of that, that rallying aspect behind people, which I, um, I've really enjoyed seeing and I've, I've tried my best to do. It's like when I normally would go to a coffee shop, it's, I'd just buy a coffee, but now I'm like, what else could I buy to, you know, it's like my partner loves fresh juices. So I'm like, I'll buy a couple of bottles of fresh juice as well to take back for her. Even though normally I would just use the juice that we have at home. But I'm like, well, if I help someone then and, and helps us too, then it's, it's happy days and try and support everyone as much as you can in these, in these times.
1: I love that. Love that indeed.
0: And now uh, I'd always like to, as we get towards the end of our time here, I always like to ask one question to, to wrap things up. Um, I got asked it on a podcast one time and uh, I can never remember who told me it, but I always would, would give them credit for it if I could remember. But uh, the, the question that I'd love to ask you is what's one question that I didn't ask you that I should have?
1: Oh, goodness, I'm stumped. You're going to have to edit out my painful silence as I think about uh right. You're question.
0: not the only one. So many people have it, but it's, uh, again, I can't pre-frame the question to you because you never know what I'm going to ask you. So I can never get you thinking about it in advance.
1: Yeah, so let's talk about the importance of digital assets, perhaps. Yeah. So I think I think one of the big shifts that's happening is that you, that every business needs to be thinking about digital assets and thinking about them as assets. So an asset is anything that, adds value when you're not in the when some when you're not as the business owner in the room it's actually creating a relationship or it's creating some form of value and ideally you know you want to build assets with the uh, intention of them sticking around for a long time so digital assets like media and software they have three superpowers where they transcend time space and wear and tear so uh, if you create something Today, it'll probably still be around a year, two years, three years from now, four years from now. You know, certain content that I created five, seven years ago is still getting watched 30 or 40 times a week. Podcasts that I recorded six, seven years ago are still getting listened to today. You know, so it transcends time, space. As soon as you create it, it's available everywhere in the world. And then wear and tear. If people watch it once, ten times, a hundred times, a million times, ten million times, a billion times, it doesn't actually lose any quality. So when you use the time that we've had, and by the way, I don't know what Australia is going to be like, but the UK is about to have round two. We've just had huge protests and huge riots in London. I don't think the news is focusing on it, but I've seen 10,000 people on the streets in very close proximity to each other, like 100,000 people in Hyde Park. And we are about to see round two. You know, If, if COVID is as contagious as everyone says it is, we're about to see round two. In, two. in two to three or four weeks, we're going to have hospitals completely overrun and we'll be back in lockdown again. So you've got to think about, okay, how do we use that time? And it's really important to think in terms of this new asset class called digital assets. And it is, I think of it as an asset class. I really do. I think if I was to buy a house, I'm going to buy something that I hope will stick around for 20, 30, 40 years, and that's one of the criteria for buying it. And I'm looking for something that will give a yield. Now, a house might only give a 3% yield, spend a million dollars on a house and it gets 30 grand a year of rent. Whereas when you do smart strategic investments into digital assets, you tend to find that, you know, you can spend 10 to 15 grand on really well-selected assets using award-winning suppliers. And the yield on it is, you know, can be 1,000% per year you know, it's, it's actually quite extraordinary. So I really feel that the 2020s, it's like the 2020s, I feel like is a big wave and you're either going to surf it or you're going to get dumped by it. And it's really important right now that you paddle that board hard and that you really get yourself into a position where you can surf the waves of the 2020s and not get dumped by the waves of the 2020s. And, you know, you might be a bit tired, you might be crisis fatigued, you might be you know, over it. You might be, you know, wanting to go back, but keep picturing in your mind, there's this big wave that's, that's breaking. You need to paddle like crazy and surf it. Now's not the time to let yourself kind of sit back and watch what's going to happen. You need to get yourself onto that wave and start surfing.
0: Amazing. I read your, uh, your book on assets as well. And that definitely made a big impact on me and rethinking how we've built our Assets, especially digitally, and a lot of the time, I think business owners we have all this information and content and assets that we have, and but we don't ever kind of make that time to put pen to paper and to to productize and take that and create it into an asset, as you mentioned there. So you know, we uh, we even did the same. We I think one of your companies, I think, is a uh, scorecard company, which we went and built out as well because we we're like, well, we have this process and these questions we'd love to ask and facilitate and give people an asset on the back end and. We, it was only once we made the time for it that we could do it. So as you say, if everyone's got that time, it's it's perfect time to use that now. Now, if people have been, have been listening to this podcast and like, I really want to find out more about this, this Daniel Priestley guy, what's the best place for them to connect with you or to, to go and find out more about you?
1: So definitely the books, all my best thinking is in the four books. So it's Entrepreneur Revolution for Getting Started, Key Person of Influence for Standing Out oversubscribed for campaigns and promotions and 24 assets for formalizing your business into an asset so there's the four books in the series and they kind of are in the series depending on what stage your uh, your business is at all the social media platforms other than tiktok i'm not tiktoking at the moment so you can get get to me on all the other ones and uh if you if you're in australia or the uk drop us an email at info and we'll send you a copy of one of my books if you want to do that or we'll send you a digital copy if you're anywhere else in the world yeah, happily just kind of send something out to you so that you can start the process.
0: Amazing, I appreciate it. So guys, wherever you're watching or listening to this, look around for the links and we'll link all of that up in the show notes. And if there's anyone in that you know of that is a business owner, that's an entrepreneur, and maybe they need to to do a little bit of resetting and reinventing, please make sure you share this podcast episode with them so that they can um, hear a little bit about uh, some of the key takeaways that that Daniel shared with us. And then most likely go out and get one of those books because I've read all of them and they're amazing and I can't recommend them highly enough. So Daniel, again, thank you so much for spending the time with us today really appreciate it
1: thanks kim i appreciate it too